from the American Academy of Dermatology, welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Ben Stoff, Editor-in-Chief. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Welcome to our Dialogues in Dermatology presentation. I welcome Dr. Kishwar Nahal, who will speak to us about an essential feature for coding, and that is the use of modifiers in our coding paradigms. Dr. Nahal, would you enlighten us as to what modifiers are and why they are essential for appropriate reporting of our services? Well, thank you, Dr. Miller. So modifiers really are important because it allows us to effectively respond to payment policies that have been established by payers. And it is responsible for claim adjudication and reimbursement. There are actually two types of modifiers. There's a two-digit numeric and an alphanumeric character that we'll be discussing. And basically it allows us to report or indicate that a service or a procedure that is performed on a patient was somehow altered by a very specific circumstance without actually changing the code or definition. Now, there are various modifiers, and as you mentioned, there are the numeric and alphanumeric. For us, the crucial one are payment modifiers. Would you comment on those, please? So I think some of the common payment modifiers that we use in dermatology are 24, 25, 58, 59, 78, and 79. And I think we can go through each one and explain when they are used and maybe go over some examples. Go for it. And I think in discussing this, we will also mention, when appropriate, some of the snafus that can happen in coding that uh, would lead to inappropriate payment or non-payment. Absolutely. And again, I just wanted to give a little more description of when there are circumstances that would require a modifier. And basically, if you think generally, it's when a service is provided, for instance, multiple procedures performed by the same physician in the same encounter, or when there is a service that's being provided that's an exception to the payment guidelines. So maybe an unrelated service during a global period. And again, we'll be going through each of these in detail. And it's also important to understand that not all modifiers are made equal. And some, as you mentioned, can actually impact the payment for a service, while others that are informational, we'll talk about later, essentially provide additional information to describe the circumstance pertaining to that encounter that we are sharing with the payer to consider during claim adjudication. So let's start with the ones that are very commonly used, such as modifier 24 and 25. So both of these are appended only to the evaluation and management service code. And so modifier 24 is used when an ENM service is provided within the global period of another procedure, but the condition being addressed during the ENM visit is not related to that problem previously treated for which there is a global period. Now, global periods, I think will be important to understand. There are services that have zero day global, there are others that have 10 day and others that have 90 day. So again, it's important to understand the common dermatology procedures and their corresponding global periods. 
So procedures that we perform that have zero day global include the skin biopsy codes. So for instance, the tangential punch and incisional biopsy codes. Also the shave removal codes have zero day global periods. The debridement codes have zero day global as well as the most surgery codes when no reconstruction is performed. Dr. Nahal, would you inform us as to what the coding implications are of a zero day global period with respect to modifiers? Sure. So if something has a zero day global period, that means anything that is done subsequent to that encounter and procedure does not need to be modified. The individual could be seen the following day for another ENM, for another excision, for a biopsy, and nothing needs to be appended to the ENM visit or to the procedure on any subsequent days. So let's look at those procedures that we perform in dermatology commonly that have a 10-day global period. So these would include the destruction clothes, that includes the destruction of actinic keratoses, benign and malignant codes as well, such as a destruction of a malignant basal cell carcinoma. Excision codes, both benign and malignant, also carry a 10-day global period, as well as repairs, and these include simple, intermediate, and complex. The idea being that if anything is performed on that patient by the same provider on subsequent days, the global day period would apply, and a modifier would need to be appended starting the next day on any of these we discussed, destructions, excisions, and repairs, and Global Day would be start the next day for 10 consecutive days. And Dr. Nihal, I think I'll punctuate again, uh, where people sometimes become a little bit tripped up by the global periods is when we start counting. The counting of the global period starts the day after the procedure. So day one is the day after, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Or 90-day global is where people really trip up because it's such a long time and we tend to sometimes forget about it. And then suddenly the ENM is not payable because we didn't include a modifier. That is so true, Dr. Miller. Very important to know when the numbering begins. And I agree the 90 days, which include flaps and grafts, tissue expanders, destruction of vascular proliferative lesions, our dermabrasion and chemical peel codes, as well as our soft tissue excision codes carry a 90 day. And there you physically have to sit there and pull out your calendar and calculate the 90 days, which begins the day after the procedure. So now that we understand global periods, the common procedures that have zero, 10 and 90 day periods, let's go back and look at the definition of modifier 24. So modifier 24 is used when an ENM service is provided within the 10 or 90 day global period of another procedure, but the condition being addressed is not related to that condition or previously treated condition for which there is a current global period. So let's move on to modifier 25. This too is a modifier that identifies an ENM service that is separate and that is beyond the usual pre and post-operative care that's associated with the procedure 
that's performed on the same data service as within a 10-day or 90-day global period. And again, a separate ENM is defined or substantiated by documentation so that it satisfies the relevant criteria for the respective ENM service to be reported. The ENM service may be related to the same or a different diagnosis as the procedure code reported during the same encounter. These actually sometimes are challenging, Dr. Miller, because you kind of need to know how many criteria need to be met to report that ENM. Yes, and it's a relatively straightforward, but yet a bit challenging situation, whereby one does need to know the MDM or time if one is coding by time with respect to the separate ENM. But it's also imperative uh, to realize that some procedures do have ENM baked into them, and it's baked into their valuation as well. Consequently, an example of uh, that kind of thing would be doing a biopsy of a lesion that a person comes in for. Let's say it's a basal cell, and the person comes in and says, I have a, that's a growth on my nose. And you examine the nose and you find a lesion that is suspect for basal cell. You ask the patient about prior skin cancer history, prior sun exposure, sunburns. And you think, well, that's a separate NM. No, all of that is included in the ENM that's baked into the biopsy code. Consequently, it is valuable to know. Now, if you would let us know the process of how one determines that, I think it'll be um, very helpful for our audience. So a good example of modifier 25 is when there's really a different diagnosis or problem that's being encountered completely separate from the pre and post-operative work of, for instance, a biopsy that's being done the same day for, on a different lesion. That's a good way to think about it. Certainly is, and uh, it certainly should be uh, validated in the chart record as being so. Now we have a plentitude of other modifiers to segue into. So let's march on to the next one. So let's look at modifier 58, which is now going to be appended to a procedure code. And what it indicates is the procedure or service that's being performed during a global period was planned or anticipated or staged, for instance. This modifier essentially provides additional information in that it tells the payer that the procedure performed during the global period may be more extensive than the original procedure or therapy following a surgical procedure. Uh, a kind of simple example would be, let's say on a Monday, you see a patient who has an atypical pigmented lesion that is changing and an excision is performed. The report comes back on Wednesday, and now there is a biopsy proven diagnosis pathology report of an early melanoma. So you inform the patient and you bring back the patient into the office on Friday of the same week. You are in the global period from the excision and you append a 58 modifier to the wide local excision for the melanoma for the code that is reported on Friday. Another example, and actually a common one, is let's say you perform an interpolation flap, which then produces a 90-day global period. And we know with an interpolation flap, you have to go back and do a division and inset several weeks later. 
but again, it's within the 90-day global. Since this inset is planned and performed within the global period, it would be very appropriate to append the modifier 58 to the procedure of the inset and the division and inset. And here, since when we do those procedures, they're commonly and often following a most surgical excision. I did want to punctuate that if most surgery alone is done and no reconstruction is done, and the reconstruction is delayed to a subsequent day, no modifier is required because again, once re again, remember that most surgery has a zero day global and no modifier is required following most surgery alone. That is really important to remember exactly that most surgery with no other reconstruction performed does not carry a global period. I think it's also important to think about when 58 modifiers should not be used. So for instance, let's say you have a patient who had an excision of a large congenital nevus and you plan to do kind of serial excisions, but the patient is brought back six weeks after the initial excision. Well, at six weeks, you are no longer in the global period. And so you should not be putting a 58 modifier on that second excision if you're outside of the global period. There's another example that maybe using the 58 is inappropriate. So let's say you performed a biopsy and the pathology comes back really quickly, 24 hours later, you inform the patient and you bring them back for a definitive excision three days later. Remember, biopsy codes do not carry a global period. And so the excision of that basal cell after three days of a biopsy does not need the 58 modifier. And now we'll segue on going up the number scale to modifier 59, one that is prevalent within our practices. Absolutely, very prevalent and sometimes can cause a great deal of confusion. So the basic definition of modifier 59 is it's used to identify procedures, not ENM services, that are not normally reported together, but in certain circumstances are appropriate to be reported. So the documentation really needs to support that it was a different surgery or a different site, or a separate excision or separate lesion. And it basically identifies and lets the payer know that this is not representing duplicate billing. And so it would be used in situations when two or more procedures are performed at different anatomic sites on the same date of service by the same physician. And it really should only be used if there's no other more appropriate modifier for that particular circumstance. Now, one uh, detail concerning modifiers 59 is whether it needs to be used at all. And one can certainly find that out by perusing the National Correct Coding Initiative, or NCCI, Procedure to Procedure, otherwise known as PTP, edits. Has a long list of codes that are paired, column one and column two, one code and one another code next to it. And the list whether a modifier is to be used when appropriate. That is available 
through the internet, one simply searches for NCCIPTP edits, and you'll be steered to it, and you can download or you may download uh, the documents as needed, but it's something that's useful for coders and uh, people who determine the appropriate billing paradigms. Shall we go on? A total alphabet, sorry, a total alphabet yeah. soup. <laughs> yes, yes. Shall we go on up the number scale again? Absolutely. So let's move up to modifiers 78 and 79. So modifier 78 is appended to a procedure code to indicate that an unplanned but yet related procedure was performed in an OR or procedure room during the global period following that initial procedure which is currently in that global period. So, you know, a common example would be a patient who has a very large basal cell, has undergone Mohs surgery, which remember has no global period, but needs a fairly large adjacent tissue transfer or flap repair and is on anticoagulation. So let's say this happens on Monday, the next day, Tuesday, the patient presents with an expanding hematoma, that needs incision and drainage and packing in your procedure or operating room. 78 modifier would be appropriate to append to the incision and drainage procedure code. And it's important to remember, it's really for a unplanned but related complication, a common complication, you would not use a 78 modifier. And one point, Dr. Nahal, to consider here is what is defined as an operating room or procedure room. Medicare defines a procedure room. Now, everybody probably has a feeling for what an operating room, it's an accredited type of a operating room center. However, Medicare defines procedure rooms as a facility that is used specifically and only to do procedures meaning ENM processes are not done there, only procedures. I think that is a very important and nuanced point, and thank you for clarifying that. I get that question frequently. Well, we're rolling on to modifier 79. This is actually a very common modifier that is used in dermatology since our patients often present with multiple problems and procedures that are done frequently. So 79 would be appended to a procedure or service that's performed during the global period, but one that is completely unrelated to the original procedure. So for instance, if you perform an excision and a repair of an atypical nevus on the back of a patient, and one week later, that same patient presents with an inflamed cyst on the cheek, which needs an incision and drainage, the IND procedure code will then be appended with modifier 79 to clearly indicate to the pair that there's no relation to the previous excision and repair, and that that procedure is separate from the global period of the first one. I think it's also important to remember that you do not need the 79 modifier if you are following a procedure with a zero global day period. And just as a reminder, those are the biopsies, the shave removals, 
and the Mohs surgery codes without any reconstruction. Now, just to make things a little more challenging, we still have the modifier 51, which is an older chronologically modifier that existed in the CPT prior to when modifier 59 was introduced. Dr. Nahal, would you please comment on modifier 51 and where it uh, typically fits in to our coding processes? Yes, we are kind of ending with a confusing modifier. And I think historically, it existed prior to the introduction of 59, as you mentioned. So 51 modifier really impacts payment and reimbursement as it refers to the multiple surgical reduction rule, such that the first procedure is reimbursed at 100%, the second one and subsequent ones at 50% and 25% and so on. Now, the problem is CMS will apply this rule, but the commercial carriers have varying rules and can vary from payer to payer. So it's important to be aware of individual payer policies. It's also important to not append the 51 on the wrong procedure code and inadvertently reduce your own reimbursement. And Dr. Nahal, I think I have found that in my area, which is California, I have found no payer that actually requires that we utilize modifier 51. Uh, consequently, it behooves us or our billers to realize whether any of the insurers that we are contracted with or dealing with require that we in our billing append a modifier 51. In general, it is safer to append modifier 59 and then to allow the insurer and their software program to appropriately adjudicate which code is reduced in payment. The peril in applying modifier 51 on our own is that if we apply it inappropriately to a higher valued code, the insurer may be more than happy to reduce payment by 50% to that code rather to the appropriate code, which would have been a lower valued code. Consequently, one should know what our regional payer policies are and to determine whether one should ever use modifier 51 at all or just stick with 59. Very, very, very important point. I am at an academic center in the Northeast, and our hospital billers, again, pay a lot of attention to the 59 to show that there are distinct procedures, and really the 51 is left to the payers to adjudicate as they feel appropriate. And now that we've backtracked in numbers to 51, we'll go up a number or several numbers again to modifier 76, one that uh, is a, a little bit conceptually challenging, but is crucial for reporting services to particularly our Medicare administrative contractors that adjudicate our Medicare patient billings. 
Yes, so we are going back a little bit in number, but modifier 76 indicates that a repeat procedure was performed and reported by the same physician. And this modifier is used when it's really necessary to report more than one of the same exact CPT codes that are reported for procedures performed by the same physician on the same data service. And as you mentioned, it's really preferred by Medicare and it's really done to show the payer that this is not a duplicate claim. It is somewhat confusing in a way because the code definition is repeat procedure and we're looking at it saying, we're not repeating a procedure, we're doing a completely different one on a different location. However, that's not how the software looks at it. The uh, adjudicating, claims adjudicating software looks at it as, you've just billed us for the same code twice and we will reject payment for one of them. The 76 modifier tells the Medicare administrative contractor, that is the payer, that the two identical codes really refer to two separately identifiable procedures that were done on the same patient on the same day. It's actually can occur frequently. I had it just recently where somebody had a basal cell on an arm and a small squamous cell on a leg, and their excised diameters of the malignant lesions were identical, and therefore that modifier was needed to distinguish the two distinct procedures on the same data service. All right, now we'll segue on to a slightly uh, but parallel related subject, and that is the Advanced Beneficiary Notice of Non-Coverage. This is a document that's specifically and exclusively directed at Medicare insured patients uh, that we recommend be filled out if one is doing a procedure that's a non-covered service or potentially not covered service or potentially not medically necessary uh, service. Take it away, Dr. Nihal. So now we've kind of moved on to the topic of informational modifiers, and the ones we had discussed before were the payment modifiers. So a common one that is used is the GA modifier. It's reported to indicate an advanced written notice was provided to the patient for services that the provider anticipates may be denied. Again, the, it's unknown if it's going to be paid due to lack of medical necessity. That is different than the GX modifier that's reported to indicate that a voluntary ABN was provided for a service that Medicare never covers due to statutory exclusion and is not a Medicare benefit. The third modifier is the GY modifier, and it indicates that an advanced written notice was provided to the patient for a service that is statutorily excluded, or the service does not meet the definition of any Medicare benefit. And the final one I'd like to mention is the GZ modifier, which indicates that although the service reported is expected to be denied due to lack of medical necessity, no ABN was issued. The GZ modifier is particularly amusing uh, because it says that, golly, we just did this service. We expect it to be denied. And we're billing you Medicare, but we didn't get an ABN. And guess what happens when 
Medicare adjudicates this claim as non-covered and non-payable, you and the patient receive notice that this is a non-payable service and the patient is not responsible for payment. How silly is that? Consequently, if you think that you're doing a service that's not covered, such as destroying common seborrheic keratoses, or removing skin tags, or removing benign nevi for cosmetic appearance lesions, we recommend that you have the patient sign an ABN prior to the delivery of service, that is a requirement, prior to the delivery of service, so you will be protected. In the case where the patient comes up to the desk and says, well, you know, I tell the doctor I didn't want this bill to Medicare and I'd pay cash, but you know what, I'll pay you, but I still want you to bill Medicare. And lo and behold, if you didn't have them sign an ABN and you bill Medicare, the service is not payable, not covered, and the patient receives a notice saying they don't own the doctor anything and they'll be calling you asking for a refund and you must refund them in those cases. So they're an important document that ensures the further financial viability of our practices. Thank you for that clarification, because it is a nuance that's very important to understand. Thank you, Dr. Nahal. This is quite a substantial amount of information that is crucial to our billing success and to our appropriate reporting of our legitimate services provided to our patients. Thank you, Dr. Miller. This is a lot of information to take in a short period of time, and it really does feel like alphabet soup or number soup. So please don't feel you have to remember or memorize all of this because the AD has a plethora of resources available for you to support your everyday practice, and that can be found on the AAD member website. We also have a coding team that's fabulous and available to provide guidance and assistance for you, and you can reach them at coding at aad.org. And again, thank you for all of your attention, and we hope that this information will really help you successfully code and report procedures that you're performing in your practice. And at this point, we conclude this session. Thank you for your attention, and we hope to have you attend next time. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. For more dialogues, subscribe to us through the website of the American Academy of Dermatology, then link your subscription through your favorite podcast app. Remember, the subscription is free for residents. New podcasts are released each week in addition to free special bonus episodes. You can also listen to dialogues online through the AAD website. Thanks again for listening.